Good morning, loved ones. What a wonderful way to start our morning together in praise and worship and uh, certainly with these families dedicating their children. Lisa Luter, thank you so much. We praise the Lord for you and your leadership and your leadership team, but well done, my friends. Was that a good morning? Wasn't that wonderful just to be a part of that, just to see that? So thankful for these families, for the faith families that were a part of uh, the morning with them. Uh, there's a lot that goes into uh, this morning and the planning here, and I'm thankful for uh, for Lisa's message to us. Uh, you're going to kind of get a you're going to get a double-edged sermon today, part from Lisa, part from me. This is kind of how it goes on baby dedication uh, Sunday, and uh, I was we were talking earlier in the week, and I told Lisa I said the the message that you bring to us uh, and the message that I'm bringing as a part of our uh, series, Everyday Mission, go together so well. Uh, before we do that, I do want to, to mention uh, last Sunday uh, after our uh, assembly, uh, Jan Strop passed away and uh, uh, we, we have Mike here who's with us and we're praying for uh, Mike and we think about the way that um, Jan blessed uh, so many of us, the way that she lived full of faith uh, in 13 years of uh, suffering with, with uh, the disease. And um, we're thankful that you have a joy and a hope uh, that is steadfast in, in the life that you were able to share together. So our prayers are with you, uh, brother. So the who and the why of mission, when we think about everyday mission, and we're in a season of doing this. This is part of what I, I want us to do. And really, from time to time, we do this in a variety of other aspects of our church life and our discipleship life as we follow Jesus. Uh, think about anything in life. There are times when you know that you, you look at your life, you examine things, and you recognize that you need to have a special season of focus an intention on some aspect of your life. Uh, it could be something to do with your work, and you recognize, okay, there's a, there's a section of my sales area that I've got to spend more time on this year than normal. Things are slipping, and I'm going to have to focus my time there. It's not to neglect other places, but there's a season of focus in that area. Maybe it's on your own financial uh, life uh, in your home, and and there have been an increase in expenses someplace else. And so you've recognized, okay, income is the same. Outflow seems to be greater. So we're going to have to have an intense focus here, rework our budget, and have a season of focus on our spending so that we can make sure that we get that under control. Maybe it's eating habits. Maybe it's exercise where you recognize, okay, I'm going to have to do some things and have a season of focus on my health uh, that has been different season of focus and go to bed a little earlier or get up a little earlier, whatever the case may be. We need that in a, as a church family from time to time as well. And so what we have right now with this series, Everyday Mission, it doesn't mean that we're neglecting other aspects of what it means to be church. But it does mean that we're having a season of focus on this aspect of church as mission, the missional life of, of church, of being the people of God, the children of God, the body of Christ in the world. And so that's what we'll be doing for the next few months, uh, at least to the end of March. Last week we talked about the who and the why of mission. The who, beginning with God, 
because he's always been a missional God. In particular, after uh, humanity rebelled against God, God immediately is at work to restore to relationship to himself, to restore relationship to each other between the, the man and the woman, and to restore their relationship not only with him, not only with each other, but with the world. He created them and gave them meaningful work immediately. His, his blessing to them, blessing was his, were, were his first words to them. He blessed them, the text says, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And then the very next thing is, rule over the earth. Uh, later on in chapter 2, he'll say, care, take care of creation. So there was always something that they were due. They were given work. They were given mission from the very beginning. And it was rebellion and sin that upset all of those relationships. And so in the process, upset their mission. And so part of the restoration work of Jesus Christ through the gospel is that restoration first and foremost with God in that relationship that we have with him, but then it's also in the relationships that we have with other people, and that includes the missional relationship that the people of God have with others. We're a part of the work of God, just as he went through uh, Noah, as he went through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the nation of Israel eventually leading to Jesus himself, going through, working through people to bring in other people. That's how he's always done it. And so we see the who is God and the who is his people and the why is because he wants to share his life with the entire world. He wants that relationship put back together. And he's done it ultimately through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross, and through his resurrection. But he continues to do that work. Not Jesus left, but Jesus has left the Spirit with us, and we continue that work. So what we, what we really want to focus on is in, in when we think about our own mission in this season of mission, we want to first focus on our own minds and hearts and cultivating that relationship with Jesus because we live for and we talk about what we most love. And so it's very natural. Jesus even says, love God, love people. That's the first and greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we love God more and more, our affection for him grows we have that affection growing because we come to know him, we know his heart for us, we see how much he loves us, we, we see something even more miraculous for some of you, we see how much God likes us. Oh, he, he likes, he likes me. And that begins to transform us. It changes us. And we begin then to operate in our daily life from this place of being a loved one, can't do anything about it. And we operate out of the love of the Father. Isn't that something? We ought to start using that phrase a little bit. Operating out of the love of the Father. Go in the love of the Father. And, and so that's where we start. But today we're in the text of Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 16. We're going to read through verse 20. 
And this is uh, after Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now he's spent uh, roughly 40 days with his followers. He's appeared to more than just the 11. Remember, Judas had killed himself. So he's appeared to more than just those 11. Um, He's appeared to, Paul says, about 500 people. So in these days, he's been appearing, he's been teaching, he's been reinforcing. They're spending time with the resurrected Jesus. So you would imagine that everything has changed now for them. And at the end, he gathers them up. It says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. The very first response to the risen Lord, once again, even though they've been seeing him for about 40 days, is to worship him. When you come face to face with Jesus. Then it says, but some doubted. That little phrase, but some doubted. Uh, it, it, it strikes me that even when you have seen the risen Lord Jesus, certainly one response is worship, but there's another response with us in this broken world of ours. There's the response of doubt. They've seen the scars. Uh, he invited them in the Gospel of John. He invited Thomas to touch them. So he recognizes the doubt. And here, even later, even 40 days with the risen Lord Jesus, who's absent one moment, and there he is in the room the next moment, eating dinner with them. And some doubted. I actually hope that that gives you some sense of encouragement. That these 12 who walk so closely to Jesus... Uh, had doubts. Sometimes what we try to do is eliminate all doubt before we engage in mission or before we engage in some act of service or before we really begin to talk about things. I, I want to ha- erase all doubts. There may be oh, those occasions, there may be a point in life where those doubts are fully removed, but it seems to me that doubt is a part of this discipleship process we find ourselves in. And we can take some comfort in the fact that the 11 who were with him from the very beginning and even in this time of his appearing had some doubts. Certainly Jesus recognizes that in verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. We need these words as much today as they needed them then. Uh, Especially if, like them, you have some doubts And I believe we do. I believe we do. So uh, what I would like to do on the front end of this short time together with you today is to to allow you to just acknowledge some of the doubts that we have about it. Some of those doubts certainly uh, would have to do with God himself in our own struggles. Um, Really believing 
that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's really the risen Lord. There'd be some struggle with that at times for us. Um, But certainly, we face obstacles in the midst of the doubts that we might have. We face some obstacles when we think about this mission. So here we are in a season of focus on, on mission. And let's just go ahead here in the front end of this series and and talk about some of these obstacles. Um, we have obstacles in our own culture, Western society as a whole, American society, uh, similar to European society, uh, to uh, Australia, to Canada, to these Western cultures as a whole. We have so much comfort and wealth and leisure and distraction um, that many in our culture around us feel no spiritual need. Uh, Or they feel a deep spiritual need. They feel a deep relational or emotional need. But because there are so many things around us to distract us, they are able to cover it up. I mean, we can sometimes engage in the very same things, right? But in a world that's not starting from a place of belief or has already considered it and rejected it, there's so much comfort and leisure and distraction, those spiritual and emotional and relational needs can very easily be buried. So in addition to this, there's a rising number of people in American society, there's a rising number of people who are either leaving churches or leaving faith, leaving their belief in God altogether. Uh, According to the Pew Forum, the Pew Forum uh, uh, reports on the American religious landscape just about every year. And back in October of 2019, they updated some of their statistics. And the religious landscape of the United States continues to change at a rapid clip. According to the Pew Research Center telephone surveys conducted over 2018 and 19, 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion. 65% in 2019. That's down 12 percentage points over the last decade. In 2009, it was 77%. So from 77% to 65%. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated share of the population, consisting of people who would describe themselves as, uh, in their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. That now stands at 26%, and that is up from 17%. So there's an increase, almost 1% increase per year in that bottom figure, the atheist, agnostic, nothing in particular group almost 1% a year. And there's a decline on the top part. I am the one who put Christian in quotations because this was a general statement. They break it down, but this was the general. And in some cases, uh, very much like what we experienced in our time in Uganda, there's a lot of nominal Christianity. So uh, claiming Christian uh, because maybe there were some relatives in the past who did it, or because uh, there is some sense of religiosity still there, but it doesn't mean practicing, it doesn't mean someone who's really engaged in knowing Jesus and in following Jesus. So uh, that, that could mean a, a number of things when people are checking the box to say, I'm Christian. 
So we feel, we feel that in our culture around us, uh, even as Lisa mentioned this morning, you know, the, the, watching the news and it makes you, you, you can tense up because you think, boy, the world just seems to be on a very quick spiral downward. But not only do we face these obstacles around us, we face obstacles some of the things that we sometimes say to ourselves. Uh, we're overwhelmed with the task. We hear, go and make disciples, and we go, I, I, I don't even know where to start. What does that mean? And we have images of door-to-door knocking campaigns, and we have tracks in our heads. We have uh, video things. We have these ideas. It sounds like a sales pitch. It sounds like a cold call, and that's, that's, those are some of the things. Or we have these, these uh, pictures of well-meaning people that get out on a street corner with a bullhorn and start shouting a message of condemnation because that happens even in our own city. And so we go, I, I know I don't want to do those kinds of things, but what do I do? So we feel overwhelmed by the task. We feel unequipped intellectually. Many people don't necessarily feel overwhelmed by the task, but they go, I, you know, if I start a conversation or if I'm in the middle of a conversation and somebody starts bringing about some, some t- scientific or philosophical ideas, I don't know what to do, and I just cl- so I'm just not going to go there. People sometimes feel unequipped relationally or practically. Just how do you do this with the people you know? Uh, some would say, well, that's the job of the ministers, right? I mean, the ministers are it may, at least the elders. They ought to be the ones taking care of that. I'm just a member. And somebody else would say, well, I, you know, in our culture, I just don't want to force my beliefs on anybody. I don't want to force those beliefs, even though beliefs are being forced on all, all of us all the time. Anytime there's an advertisement that you take in, there's a belief that you are, somebody is trying to force on you, right? Uh, so we don't want to force our beliefs on others. We'll talk more about that later on in our series. Uh, we could also look at ourselves and go, you know, we're just flat out too busy, just too busy. When am I going to do that? Uh, And finally, sometimes we can think that just being a a good example, that's just good enough. I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm just going to be a good example. I don't have to say anything. I want us to consider then this passage. Look at thinking about those obstacles and then think about a couple of things within this passage. Uh, And then I'll leave us with a soul training practice uh, for the week. And then we'll pick up where we leave off today. We'll pick up next week with this. Um, so think about the, the phrase go, or the word go. It's go in our English translation. It's a participle in Greek. Uh, so it's as you are going. Two things about this. One is that uh, there are, are times in the language where a participle actually carries the force of a command. So that's why it's translated go in our English versions is because the, the translators decided, well, this is a case in which Jesus is giving a command. We call this the Great Commission. It could be the Great Command for many of us. It's the Great Suggestion. Um, we don't really look at this as a command oftentimes. And so, but it is, it does carry the force of a command. Go. Uh, certainly, Jesus has in mind here that his disciples are going to be the ones who, who take his mission. He's had a mission for, for three years plus, but his idea from the very beginning was that he would not be the one. He was only going to be with them a little while, that he used that language a lot in the Gospel of John. 
he gives them warning as in the, at the end of his third year as they're approaching Jerusalem. He keeps saying the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and he's going to rise again. But, but he would tell them this. He's getting them ready to take on the mission that he's been training them to do for three years. So his idea is that they are going to be the ones who change the world. They're going to be the ones who change the world. So Jesus has nothing less than the change of the world in mind here. So we keep that in mind. Um, Part of what he certainly means is that he has in mind them going to these different ethnic groups. I mean, we talked about that, even celebrated that, $72,000 given to global missions. That's part of it. He didn't want it just to be within that little spot in, in Israel, in the Middle East. He wanted it to, to flow, and he wanted it to continue. So he has that in mind. But there's another layer of this mission, and that's what I'll end with this morning. And it's the local mission. As you go, might be something along the lines of, as you live in this world, in the everyday activities of your schedules, in the ordinary stuff of life, make disciples. Invite other people into the life that you have been freely given. If we truly feel like we have an abundant life, as we go into the ordinary practices of life, we invite other people to share that life. In all the places, in all the circumstances in which you find yourselves, in all the areas of life, make disciples. In your daily life, make disciples. In the marketplace, make disciples. Think about how this passage goes with Deuteronomy 6 which Lisa read earlier. She read and interpreted and applied the context of that passage in the lying down and the rising up and the walking along the road and the decorating of your home. Let these commands be on you and impress them on your children. That's discipleship. It's intentional discipleship. And I believe that the as-you-go aspect of this great commission really has to do with this every day. As you lie down, as you wake up, as you walk along the road, as you decorate your home, as you go to work, as you spend life doing the things that you do in life, make disciples. This is a part of being a disciple, is making disciples, participating with God in that very thing. And we go... Because we are sent. So if this does carry the force, if this does carry the force of a command, he's saying, go, I want you to go. Get out there in the world. Go and and be an influencer, just as Lisa said. I I loved the phrase that she said. What if the men and women of of, of influence that the world needs are right here in this church? Well, I believe Jesus would say, absolutely, you are, you are. In this church, some of these babies who were being prayed over this morning are influencers for the future. But I believe Jesus would say we are influencers now. Influencers now for this mission. We go because we're sent. John chapter 17, verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out, them being the disciples, 
not just the 12, but those who would believe. My prayer is, that not, that is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. In other words, set them apart. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for them, I sanctify myself. I set myself aside. I set myself apart so that they too may be truly set apart. His whole idea is, is to send his disciples into the world to set them apart, to be different as he was different. He was in the world, but he was very different. The people of God are going to be in the world, but very different. In the world, but set apart. And this is how he's planned it. As you go means as you are sent. It's the same. It goes together. So I want to, I want to call, I want to, I'm going to stop right there, and I want to invite you into a soul training practice uh, for the week. This uh, practice is primarily about you facing, each one of us facing. I've been writing this down for myself uh, this week, and that is to name the obstacles I named about seven different obstacles from within. And then, of course, we've got the cultural obstacles as well. There's something powerful that happens to us when we name what we're afraid of, name what we're concerned about. And so when we name those things, and I want, you to, I w- I want to invite you to name those things that have been obstacles for you. Um, because here's the thing about, about uh, this missional life. We must be intentional about it. We must say, Lord, I intend to be a part of your mission in this world. And I will, I will be consistent. Intentional, consistent. We've used those words a lot for a variety of things. If discipleship is anything, it's intentional and consistent, Right? And so we say, I, I want to be intentional about it, and I want to be consistent. And, and so think about those obstacles. For some of you, the obstacle is this. You find that right now, you're in such a hard spot in life that it's difficult for you to think that you have anything to share. And so let me say this to you. It may be that if that's where you find yourself today, maybe your season, personally, Your season needs to be on giving yourself to the Lord for him to heal and to transform and to to restore, to do those deep things in you. But I want to, to dispel something, and that is this. I want to dispel the notion that if you don't have your life together, God can't use you. Because he's only ever used people who have been broken and have imperfections and obstacles and flaws. He's only used those kinds of people. He's never, had, he's never had the opportunity to use any other kind of human being outside of Jesus, God-made human form. All of us have been in that. And so if we continually say, well, my life's just not put together right, we will continue to put that aside and put it aside. And guess what? We'll never get around to being a part of the mission of God that is a joy and is a privilege and is a calling and is a command. Uh, so name those obstacles. Name at least three. Submit, to the, submit those obstacles to the Lord. And ask the Lord to deal with those with you because you're not on your own. You're not on your own 
in, your, in the restoration that your soul needs, and you're not on your own in this mission. Would you stand with me, please? I want to invite you, well, I'll invite our prayer teams to take their places uh, this morning. And um, it, it may be that what you would like to do in this, in this time is, is ask for a restoration of your own soul, something that's personal. And as a part of that, just say, I, I want the Lord to do in me what I cannot do for myself. And may he flow through me into other people. Maybe it's for you. It's just saying, okay, I need this personal season of mission. I have neglected it. Uh, I have been receiving, 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 and I haven't been sharing, 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 and I want to make that intentional. It could be that you want to start today a fresh walk, a new walk with Jesus as your Lord. And so we're going to invite you to respond uh, in any way that you need to, and uh, let's do this as we, as we worship our Jesus together. Bye.